For decades, the Lord has used the story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand to inspire people to share the gospel, even in dangerous places. Rebecca George had this in the back of her mind while writing a new biography of this amazing couple. For 50 years, God has used the story of Richard and Sabina to send people to their deaths in efforts to share the gospel across the world, to live faithfully for Christ. And I knew that in writing this book, I was a part of doing the same thing for the next 50 years. And that was heavy. That was really heavy. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. I am in the studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma with Rebecca George. Now, if you get The Voice of the Martyrs newsletter, you are familiar with some of her work. Rebecca was the principal writer on the new book, Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story, which was released in March. Already thousands of books have gone out across the country and uh, people being inspired by Richard and Sabina's story. Rebecca, thank you for being our guest. Welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much, Todd. I'm glad to be here. And thank you for writing the book. Mm. Uh, it is such an outstanding telling of Richard and Sabina's story. And I have done some media interviews and they say, thank you, Todd Nettleson, for writing the book. I'm like, well, <laughs> thank you for saying thank you, but I didn't actually write it. Uh, that was Rebecca who did that. So mm. just such a great job. As we have marketed the book, we have said this is the first time that you can read Richard and Sabina's story in the same book. You Before this, you had to read Torture for Christ. You needed to read In God's Underground. You needed to read The Pastor's Wife to get the whole story. Now you just need to read this new book, Wormbrand. So uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing accomplishment, and we are very proud of it, and I know you're proud of it as well. When you took on this project, how much did you know about Richard and Sabina Wormbrand? Mm, good question. As a college student, my husband and I, we met in college, um, both were very familiar with The Voice of the Martyrs and have just such respect for the type of work that your organization does here in the U.S. and throughout the world. I was very familiar with The Voice of the Martyrs and then almost tangentially familiar with the worm brands. I'd read Tortured for Christ. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you're going to be a Christian these days, you kind of should have read Tortured for Christ. It's it's iconic. It's life-changing. For generations now, it has inspired countless Christians um, to live in ways that are risky and sacrificial and um, just powerful ways for the kingdom. So I'd read Tortured for Christ. You know, you, you hear those stories a lot about Oh wow! Oh, I know! I know the Worm Brands. I read Tortured for Christ, uh -huh. and it's such an incredible book, celebrating 50 years now. And so, I I do think it was a great time in the life of this ministry to tell the story of Richard, which I think more people have been familiar with, myself included, but also tell the story of him in context with his marriage with his wife Sabina. It was a tremendous honor to be asked to be involved with this project. It wasn't something I, I took lightly. And so I'm, I'm glad 
um, you're happy with it. Yeah, we are thrilled with it. I wondered that, you know, you said I didn't take it lightly. Did you feel a sense of almost fear of like, oh, how how am I going to do this story justice? Oh, how, absolutely. Here I'm taking this book that thousands of people have read and they considered a touchstone in their faith walk. And now I'm right. going to retell that story. So how did you kind of bite off that challenge? There was a tremendous amount of fear. And there was also um, kind of a, a gravitas that I felt with it. Knowing the role that Tortured for Christ has played in so many Christians' lives, Christians have headed for the mission field, have become martyrs themselves, have given everything for Jesus, having read that book. And I I felt a sense that the same thing would be possible in a new retelling for a new generation. So there was quite a bit of fear and trembling and, and just a weight to that. And so um, my goal in approaching the story was definitely to get out of the way, to have myself disappear and to let Richard, to let Sabina, to let the Lord speak so clearly through that. So in as much as that happened, I would consider that a successful undertaking. But yeah, fear for sure. <laughs> and, and an answer to prayer. Definitely. How did you do the research? Well, you know, you sign this deal. Okay, I'm going to write this book on the worm brands. I've read Torture for Christ. How did you go into really diving into their life story? Well, you've mentioned the three primary sources that were so, so useful in writing this um, book. Tortured for Christ, of course, which Richard wrote um, 50 years ago now. In God's Underground, which deals much more with the specifics of his prison experience. So that's where I was able to discover a lot of the atrocities, a lot of the horror, a lot of the the just heavy, heavy, heavy yeah. stuff related to his experience. And my personal opinion is that In God's Underground is better than Torture for Christ. I, I, it seems like it's deeper. There's more of the story. Yeah. And, and I know he talked about writing Torture for Christ over a weekend while his wife cried. Right. Uh, Which is not so at all a stressful. he just kind of poured out his heart yeah. in a weekend. Right. I think In God's Underground, had a little more time had passed. He'd been able to process it a little more. So it seems like like I say, that's my personal Definitely. favorite of, of Richard's books. Yeah, it really it, it really does carry that sense of I've I've sat with this, I've I've worked through my experience, and I've thought very, very carefully about what exactly I want to tell the people who read this book. And it's incredible. It is a powerful book. It is extremely, extremely gut wrenching at times yeah. and will keep you up at night and keep you on your knees praying for people. And so I, I did. That book is a phenomenal one and was an invaluable resource for writing the new story that weaves the two stories together. And then the third book you mentioned is The Pastor's Wife, which um, was written by Sabina, Richard's wife, and similar to In God's Underground in a lot of ways. And I think she's a beautiful writer. They both are. And in reality, they made my job very, very easy. They did the hard work of living what I then wrote about. And then in, in between having lived it and my writing, they wrote prolifically and did such a fantastic job at it that where the book is great and where it works well and is beautiful, it's because they gave me such phenomenal resources to work with. And then on top of that, the editorial team here at The Voice of the Martyrs is a writer's dream to work with. I would have the most obscure, random, minute, questions. And I would send an email over and within an hour, I would have every bit of resource that I at all needed. They would dig up 
archival materials and have video links and um, had contacts here at VOM with people who knew the Worm Brands. And so that was such an invaluable resource. So yes, I, I didn't have a living subject to write this book about, which makes it hard in a lot of ways. But I felt like I had the closest thing to that in having the Worm Brands' own words and then people here at the Voice of the Martyrs who knew and loved them so much and have done such a fantastic job stewarding their story. It made the writing easy. It did. And one of those people who I know was a resource to you is Merv Knight. He yes. is the was the founder of VOM Australia. We've had Merv on VOM Radio, so if you'd like to hear more, some of his firsthand stories about ministering alongside the Worm Brands, if you come to vomradio.net and just search for Merv Knight, you can listen to that interview and hear that. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Rebecca George. She is the principal writer of Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story, a new book released this year about both Richard and Sabina. Rebecca, what is your writing process like? In And the first question, are you on one project at a time, or were you doing this and working on maybe one or two other things at the same time, or were you all Wormbrand for however long it took to finish this? Yeah, for this book, I was all Wormbrand from start to finish. Um, I didn't want divided attention. I didn't want to have to pull myself out of one context and then plot myself back into another context to get back into the rhythm of writing. I felt that this project deserved that. And so thankfully, my schedule allowed for me to do it. As far as the writing process goes, I'm probably the only writer who doesn't drink coffee um, which is a little odd as far as writers go. Wow. Uh, I know. It's strange. They're um, going to kick you out of the fraternity. The, probably. <laughs> I've probably been kicked out and just didn't get the newsletter. I'm also a little unorthodox in the sense that I, I don't really have a rhythm to my day for writing. A lot of people who are phenomenal writers, far better than I am, work out really good systems where they wake up and they write 10 pages from 5 a.m. until 11 a.m. and then they do other things. And I really am sort of a nomadic writer. I'll start out on the couch with my laptop top. I'll do a couple paragraphs there. I might move to a different couch or a different room or um, a different place entirely. Lots of changes of venue. So as far as the writing process goes, I I would love it if you have a good process that you could recommend to me because (laughs) that would be fantastic. Yeah, I would love it if I had one also. (laughs) One of the, the fun things I ended up doing for this particular book was in sort of weaving the narrative of Richard and Sabina's stories. I wanted to be sure to have a good balance of perspective between the two um, of them. And so I ended up highlighting everything Richard in blue and everything Sabina in pink. And so I had a really colorful manuscript that I was working with. So even in the midst of the very um, dark days working through the atrocities that they were experiencing, I had little, little glimpses of color looking back at me from the screen, which made it nice. How did you match up the timelines where you could go back and forth, okay, this was going on with Richard, because Richard was in prison for 14 years. So much of that time, he wasn't with Sabina. They were not even in the same city. How did you match up, okay, okay, this is when that was happening with Sabina. This is what Richard was going through. The timeline was by far the most challenging part of the entire project. And when I came to VOM, goodness, now about a year and a half ago to talk about doing this project, they asked what what they thought would be the most challenging thing. And I anticipated that it would be the timeline. And I was absolutely correct <laughs> about that. And on top of the fact that you have two different people over 
not not even just the 14 years of Richard's imprisonment, but the two and a half years between those two imprisonments and all the years before the time after. So a lot of time is passing. But on top of the fact that a lot of time is passing, um, you're dealing with people who are imprisoned. And so their concept of the passage of time has quite a bit of fluidity to it. And so they might remember things happening in a certain time frame that I worked very hard to verify so that I could do justice to the to the chronology of the book. A lot of it was triangulating um, a mention of Stalin. And OK, so let me dig up references to Stalin in the newspapers, see what day that happened. Okay, so now we're looking at this date. Wow. So a lot of um, fun sort of gymnastics. A little bit of a detective thing. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I, I went completely Nancy Drew for that. But definitely the timeline was a, was a challenge. And then also ensuring that I didn't make this a book about Richard, whose 14 years of prison definitely could cover countless books yeah, multiple books but to to be sure to tell the story of the two of them together um, not just as individuals with separate experiences during this incredible time in our the history of our world the history of our church but to tell their story as a married couple as a husband and wife who were together living this experience so it was the timeline was tricky but I think it worked out fairly well we're talking today with Rebecca George. She is the writer of Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. Rebecca, how hard was it as you were working through the timeline and working through the writing to decide what to put in the book and what to leave out? Because like you say, they've they've talked about their story. There's multiple sources. There's multiple books that they've written. So how did you decide, okay, we definitely need that. Oh, we could we could probably get along without that one. It was excruciating. It really was. And a lot of it just went based on gut instinct initially. And then thankfully, with the really, really phenomenally capable Voice of the Martyrs editorial team, if I ended up leaving something out or, or looking past a story, I knew I had a safety net mm-hmm. of, hey, did, what about what about the story of them walking backwards through the snow to make it look like they were actually moving forwards? So I thought, oh, I completely forgot about that story. But thankfully, I really felt the Lord's guidance um, quite powerfully over the course of just choosing what was appropriate to include and what wasn't. And a lot of what I ended up going with was the stuff that as I read it, it just kind of kicked me in the gut. And I thought, oh, people need to know this. They would love to know this story. Lives can be changed by people being aware that this happened or this happened. But it, it was it was a challenge for sure. Well, you answered the challenge very well. And I, I love that you've mentioned several times their marriage. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I often tell people when they ask about Richard, there is no Richard Wormbrand without Sabina Wormbrand. No. They, they were a matched pair that God brought together for his purposes. And even, you know, we talk about the Congress of the Colts. It was Sabina who said, Richard, you need to stand up. Right. And it was her gently, maybe not so gently, <laughs> pushing him to say, you need to do something about this. Right. What were some of the parts of the story? And you mentioned the the parts that hit you in the gut. What were some of the things about Richard and Sabina's life that impacted you? Mm, So, so many. Goodness. It was hard to write the book and not sort of put myself 
in their shoes. When you spend that much time with a couple, you really feel like a fly on the wall of their marriage. And they both are very vulnerable in their writings about what they experienced. And I think that some of the most impactful circumstances that they encountered and were able to move through with God's guidance and empowerment definitely were related to their marriage. Countless times, people from the communist regime would come to Sabina while she's in prison, when she's out of prison, and say, why are you still with this guy? Divorce him. You should leave him. Your son deserves better. They would come to her and say, you know, he's died. You should you should forget him and move on. They would go to Richard and say, your, your wife's in prison and she's being brutalized and you can't do a thing about it. You can't do anything to protect her from here. So, so much of their story, like you said, there's no Richard without Sabina. There's no Sabina without Richard. I love the fact that she titled her book, The Pastor's Wife, because she's even telling us that I see myself in context of my husband. We exist together as a unit, and it's beautiful. And that comes through so clearly um, throughout the book. There are times when when Sabina would just have an absolute certainty that the Lord was was giving her specific information about her husband in prison. There's no rational reason for it. There's no logical reason for it other than God cared enough about them to make sure that that they knew each other was okay throughout the process. And so it really is a beautiful telling of a marriage, just a, a beautiful God-honoring marriage. And it didn't start God-honoring. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking as the book opens, we meet Richard and Sabina this very worldly, very lost couple. Very. And I almost, as I started reading the book, I'm like, wait, wait, this, you know, this is the what, founder of the OM. What's she doing here? Do we, do we want to <laughs> tell this part of the story? Obviously, you you did want to, and you did. Why? Why, why is that such an important part of their story? Yes. I think um, what it boiled down to for me is the light is so much brighter when the dark is very, very dark. The Puritans have a great saying that it's in the deepest wells that the stars shine the brightest. And I see that for Richard and Sabina. They found themselves in some mighty deep wells, but they weren't alone in those wells. And the the light shines brightly because of that. I also think it's a tremendous testament to the power of God to radically, in every way, change a life. Richard starts out in this book at a cabaret, and and he leaves with one of the women who's dancing at the cabaret. And that was really typical for him. He was a good-looking guy. He was extremely intelligent, wealthy, had, had had some financial success professionally early in life, and had zero interest in living for anything other than himself and his immediate, purely fleshly desires. And Sabina wasn't different. She started out as a very conservative Jewish young woman, but as soon as she ended up in college, um, did some study abroad at the Sorbonne, which is an incredible institution in Paris. But all of those early teachings just kind of floated away. And um, she mentions really powerfully that she didn't care that she was making these decisions now about her life because an atheist can live however she wants right. to. It's all about the it's next three minutes. It's all about, exactly. And so I thought it was important to show what God can do when he seizes a person and they commit entirely to him. And that's not to say that they became saintly folks after salvation. They were both very reluctant converts. 
These weren't Damascus Road conversions. These were Emmaus Road, where where Jesus walked with them for quite a while before it clicked for both of them. But once he had them, um, he had them entirely. And not to say that they did not continue to struggle, because they did. There were some pretty deep struggles for both of them um, in their early marriage, as believers, in their imprisonment, even after. But I think they are such a powerful testimony of people who who truly lived for Christ and were willing to do anything for him. And so, yeah. And the the transformation, like you say, from yes. from a couple that lived completely for themselves completely to a man who was willing to go to prison and be beaten on for 14 years for Jesus. Who found joy in it. And and found joy in it. Yeah. Uh what an amazing mind-blowing transformation. It is. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Rebecca George. She was the principal writer for Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. Rebecca, I want to ask you a question uh, sort of on behalf of my wife. My <laughs> my wife was reading the book, and, she, and there were several times where she closed the book, and she's like, I don't know if I can finish yeah. this. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if I can read about somebody being so horribly mistreated. Yes. How did you process that as you were writing, and how did you decide how much or how little? Right. uh, Because we want to tell the story. We want to tell the truth, but we don't want people to close the book and think, I just can't handle this. I can't read anymore. Right. How did you balance that? It kind of goes back to the idea of the darkness and the light. I I tried to be sensitive to, to a faithful rendering of the story. And it's impossible to tell their story without without those atrocities. And I think it's important for Christians today to be very aware of what our brothers and sisters have experienced for their faith, and also to be aware of the insidiousness of something like communism. I think a lot of us, we know the Nazis were terrible. No, no problem there. But the communists, you know, Okay, well, I don't maybe I don't know quite as much about communism. Maybe I still see it expressed in some ways today. It can't be that bad sort of thing. But the Nazis learned a lot of their atrocities from the early communists. And if you look at the pure numbers of of just these terrible acts committed against people throughout the world to put in perspective the Holocaust, the communists have been responsible for 100 million deaths and counting. And that is an astronomical number. And so to be able to highlight just snippets of what has happened, I think is, is important for believers today to be able to face the darkness, but then to see on the next page or in the next paragraph, there is light. Richard does such a great job of, of describing in horrific detail what happened to him. And I can't imagine if it was that hard for me to write it, yeah, or I can't. To read it. Yes, if if it's that hard to read, if it was that hard to write, I cannot fathom what it was like for him to live and then to try to put in words what that was like. But he did, and he spends a lot of time over both tortured for Christ and in God's underground, detailing a lot of those atrocities. And so I wanted to be faithful in a telling of his story to include those definitely. But what Richard is so great at, and what I tried to do over the course of the book is is to balance that darkness with the light. And it's the light that Richard felt. In one sense, it's hard to even describe him as as loving his enemies in prison because he didn't even view 
the guards who were torturing him as his enemies. I mean, we hear the cliche, you know, hate the sin, but love the sinner. But I've never seen that modeled as well as in Richard Wormbrand's life. He was able to thank the Lord for the opportunity to be interrogated mercilessly for for days and weeks and months because it gave him an opportunity to share his faith with his persecutors. I I just can't fathom that. And then also to know that this, this isn't purely history. This is happening today across the world. And for us, especially so many of us who have not experienced a degree of persecution the way so many of our brothers and sisters do, I do think it's important for us not to shield ourselves from from things that remind us of that, maybe in really uncomfortable ways. But yes, I sympathize with your wife. I, f- I felt it as well. <laughs> there, there were a couple times she's just like, "Honey, I don't, I don't know if I can yeah. finish this." She did. She did finish the book. So, <laughs> well done, um, Rebecca. How are you different as a follower of Christ mm. after diving into Richard and mm. Sabina's example? What are some of the ways maybe you live out your faith differently mm. after that? Oh, great question. And, and I'm different in so many ways. I mentioned earlier the, the weight that I felt in writing this book and the gravitas and the just the heaviness of stewarding that story. Part of that was because I know that for 50 years, God has used the story of Richard and Sabina to send people to their deaths in efforts to share the gospel across the world, to live faithfully for Christ. And I knew that in writing this book, I was a part of doing the same thing for the next 50 years. Wow. And that was heavy. That, that was really heavy. Knowing that the words I'm putting on this page, um, I don't know what will happen with them. I don't know what Jesus will do with them. I don't know who he will have read that book and what their life will be like as a result of it. And I think that sense of responsibility I felt. It can't not change a person. Mm -hmm. And so I have such a deeper appreciation for the interconnectedness of the body of Christ here on earth. Such a deep sense of just connection, of being part of the same body, not even the same family. Yes, the same family, but the very same body mm-hmm. as as our believers across the world. And so, and I, I grew up with a very strong sense of that. I have been aware of the Voice of the Martyrs and the incredible work um, that VOM does for years, and it's still solidified in a much more profound way in my life. And so I've always been a bit of a risk taker. I think you have to be to be a full-time writer. I mean, good gracious, what sense of stability is there in life if you're writing full time. But I feel less tethered to this world. I feel less scared of being hurt by this world or being tortured for my faith or being killed for my faith. I'm not scared of it in the way that I think on some level all of us probably are a little bit. I have felt that recede a bit, which is very freeing. What do you want the reader who reads to the last page and closes the book What do you want to leave them with? Mm. Well, first of all, I want them to have a great appreciation for the stories of of our past. Um, The stories of our faith are very, very, very impactful in our lives. I think that's one reason why Christian biography is such an incredible medium for, for sharing faith stories. So I want them to know about Richard and Sabina. I want them to be inspired and encouraged and challenged by the example of this couple who literally 
gave their own bodies for for Christ. And so I definitely want a sense of inspiration and encouragement and challenge. But I also want them to know that God still uses people today in the same way that he used Richard and Sabina. And so somebody who reads this book, somebody who's listening right now to this interview, um, you could be the next Richard and Sabina. You could be the next tool that God pulls out of his tool belt and decides he's going to do something very, very big with you. He's going to build something big. He's going to use it to tear down something that needs torn down. And so I, I think that I would want the reader to see themselves as part of this story, to see this as the story of of redemption that God has done since since he put us all on this earth and that he's going to continue to do until he takes us all home. Amen. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Rebecca George. She is the principal writer of Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. Uh, Rebecca, I have said in, in some of the promotional interviews that I've done, there's parts of this book that read like a great love story between Richard and Sabina. There's parts of this book that read like a spy novel where they're <laughs> smuggling Bibles and doing this amazing gospel work. Just an outstanding job. Oh, and uh, and we're so thankful for how well oh. you told the story. One last question. And you're in Bartlesville today, not to be on VOM Radio, although that's a bonus. What is your next project? Yes, I am so excited about um, this next project that I'm working on right now. It's it's with the Voice of the Martyrs as well. And it's the story of Peter Yasek, who is, the way I see him is he's the modern day Richard Warmbrand, um, imprisoned for his faith in Sudan with members of ISIS. He has the most incredible, incredible story. And um, I'm just really blown away that I've been asked um, to steward that one as well. He's an amazing man. And I I love the continuity of his being inspired by Richard and Sabina long before he ever realized he would be persecuted for his faith in this way. But carrying the continuity of the example that they have given us, the the powerful model that they've been, and then finding himself in a in such a similar situation. And his story is unbelievable. I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago and said, it's really the story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, but with cell phones and laptops <laughs> and Wi-Fi. And all of these things feature prominently in his story in really surprising ways. Talk about a spy novel. It's it's Peter's story. And so it's exciting um, to be working on that one as well. It's going to be another one that I hope God uses in, in really big ways. Well, we hope that too. And many of our VOM Radio listeners will be familiar with Peter because he mm-hmm. shared his story here on VOM Radio. So you are here this week interviewing him, preparing for that book. What a great project. And like you say, very much a continuation of Richard and Sabina's work and their story. They inspired him. Who knows who's going to read his book Who and knows? be inspired that we'll interview <laughs> 10 Who years knows? from now. So, Absolutely. Rebecca, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your work on the book. And uh, just so great to have you on VOM Radio this week. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, if you're just joining us, you can hear this entire conversation online at vomradio.net. And while you're there, you can visit the archives and hear Peter Yasek talk about being imprisoned in Sudan with ISIS fighters. 
That's the story that Rebecca is working on telling right now. We're looking forward to that book coming in the months ahead. I also hope that you'll come to vomradio.net and purchase a copy of the book we've been talking about today, Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. When you read it, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be inspired, as we talked about. There's some hard parts of reading the suffering that Richard and Sabina Wormbrand went through. I promise, though, reading this book will be well worth your time. Again, come to vomradio.net. We'll give you a link to purchase Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, The Complete Story. Buy two copies. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your pastor or another Christian friend that can also be inspired by the life that Richard and Sabina Wormbrand lived Next week, we're going to hear from Al-Fadi, a former Muslim who came to know Jesus. And you know what he says? He says, we live in a time of great opportunity to share the truth of the gospel with Muslims. You won't want to miss that. So be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.